Hey everyone, and welcome to Do I Still Love It? Uh, it's the nostalgia podcast that looks back at your childhood and sees whether or not your nostalgia is really warranted. <laughs> I'm Marshall James. And I'm Laura Weiss. And uh, every week we take some movie that we remember loving as a kid and we watch it again. And uh, we always have a friend along. And this week that friend is Rama Valuri. Yay! Hello. Uh, I'm, I'm here. Right, I said it right? Yeah, you said it right. Okay, great. Congratulations. <laughs> well, I th- feel like I've heard you say it enough times to where I'm like, man, if I fucking mispronounced it now, uh, now you, Rama... make it, you make it sound like I walk around just saying my name over it. Well, over no, again. but the, uh, what I'm saying is, uh, so Rama's a uh, writer and comedian and performer here in uh, in L.A., and I've gone to see a ton of your shows. Uh, you're also you do um, you do a joint project with Sean George, our guest on the very first Goonies episode called Georgia Valuri. I highly recommend you guys check it out. It is funny. Well, thank you, guys. Kind of bringing back a bit of the, the like, Laurel and Hardy, uh, straight man, goofy man kind of uh, yeah, we, classic comedy paradigm. We have an update on vaudeville, which is what we do. Yeah. Nice. Uh, which is our, the key thing that we do. I was actually with Sean just 10 minutes ago. Oh, yeah? He warned me about you. <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea what he means. Well, well, he said that Laura was perfectly lovely and that Marshall gets handsy. Well, I we did yeah. have to edit a lot out of that first episode. Hey, but I'll, I'm sticking to a script now to... He's got, you know, you have your... You've got your, your computer on your lap and that's yeah, going to slow you down. Keeping me focused. Physically. There you go. Um... That brings us to this week's movie, which is Disney's DuckTales, the movie Treasure of the Lost Lamp, which uh, at least holds the record now of longest title of a movie we'll be watching on this show. <laughs> uh, they seem like they're really like, they're like, okay, Disney made it. That's got to be in the title. It's DuckTales, which was already a successful cartoon show. We need to point out that it's a movie. <laughs> that's the movie. <laughs> like, people aren't going to assume that it's the movie. And then, fuck it. Let's not just call it Disney's DuckTales the movie. Let's go ahead and subtitle it on the very first movie. Well, the theory was that this was going to be the, the start of a franchise for them because DuckTales yeah. was so successful, and this came off of an actual graphic novel comic book series about the adventures of Uncle Scrooge. Mm-hmm. This did not turn into a franchise, and I don't know why. It did not turn into a franchise because it only made $18 million in the box office. I mean, I'd be pretty happy with well, it. Well, it broke even, but it didn't really make any money for the studio. So the studio is basically like, uh, let's shelf the other four scripts we have written. Right. And I know that this was like, we, we did a little bit of research. And so this was going to be the first, this was the first Disney animated film that is not part of the Disney animated classics canon that, you know, Pinocchio and Bambi and Lion King and stuff belong to. Instead, it's the first one by Disney Movie Tunes. Right. So I guess their plan was to spin the Disney afternoon into a bunch of movies, which I they could still do. <laughs> Think about the possibilities. You'd have a Gargoyles movie. You'd have a Chippendale Rescue Rangers movie. I would be so a happy. A Gummy Bears movie. A fucking... Um, Tailspin movie. Oh, I loved Tailspin. How much would we have to raise to make a Tailspin movie? I don't know. I I would love to find out though because like, uh, okay. So context: if you've never watched the Disney Afternoon, which is a two-hour programming after-school block that that came on, I think both ABC and Disney Channel in the early '90s, and so um, Laura and I were trying to figure out what the original lineup of these four were but basically 
they'd, they'd be like, Disney would have taken properties they already own and repurposed them into an open-ended adventure series. So they took the characters of Chippendale and made Chippendale Rescue Rangers. Which is the best one. Which is really kind of Chippendale does the rescuers. Like, they combined their movie franchise, The Rescuers, with Mm -hmm. Chippendale. And then you had Tailspin. Which is basically the Jungle Book characters anthropomorphized with no humans. Which is fascinating. Uh, I never saw Jungle Book as a kid, so only when I brought it up this time did I ask myself that question, and I was like, oh, like, Baloo was in there. Right, and Sheer Khan is the evil... Yeah, well, he's a businessman. <laughs> how evil he is is yet to be I determined. I think we have a person here that appreciates the evil character. Well, I appreciate the subtlety of it. He wore a suit. It's he, true. He wore a suit. Blue didn't wear white pants. Collar evil. He was. Yes. He was not so. Uh, he was not so. Uh, President Koopa from Mario Brothers, true. as we recently watched with your good friend Michael Chow. <laughs> uh, um, okay, so uh, let's go into this this movie specifically. Rama, what do you uh, what do you recall uh, fondly about this movie and the Ducktales franchise from your childhood? First of all, Ducktales has one of the greatest theme songs of all time. Oh yeah, it's true. Can you sing it for us? Oh yeah, it's uh. It sounds like Holland Oates wrote it. It does. It, but, it does. It sounds very yacht rock. Yeah. It sounds a lot like you make my dreams come true, uh-huh. but turns out they didn't write this. I wish they did, because then every concert I've seen of theirs, they would have had to play this. Play the DuckTales thing. Yeah, which yeah. goes, for anyone who doesn't know, life is like a hurricane here in Duckburg. Race cars, lasers, airplanes, it's a duck blur. Might solve a mystery Ooh. or rewrite history. Ducktales, woo! And then it goes from Ducktales, woo! So this song does end up in this movie. Oh, good! So great. I Which was really worried thing. that they were going to not play it because, you like, know, they have to it's play for the TV it. Show. Like, they have to play it. When we watched the Little Mermaid, like, mm-hmm. we pretty much were all just watching it to all sing out loud. Uh, part of their world. Mm, it's true. Did anybody climb up on something and just jump at the end when the I big think wave actually, crashes? I mean, I did Literally. jump out the window okay. and off the balcony. And then Zoe jumped over the couch. So I think it's a girl thing. I think mm. they yeah. just jump over things. It's true. As long as everyone was safe. Um, <laughs> let's see, what else do I remember? Well, it has Huey, Dewey, and Louie. Uh-huh. And uh, the uncle, the uncle well, that Uncle, uncle Scrooge was there. Yeah. Uh, Launchpad's there. The basically everybody everybody's there. And they're going off on this adventure. They find they find a treasure map and they fly out to get the lost treasure of Kalibaba on the oh, middle okay. of the desert. Oh, yeah. I remember that. Oh, and man, at the no. same time, okay. oh. Christopher Lloyd, who's this giant dog, villain, shaman, wizard, evil guy. You remember who is the villain in this? I do. Oh, this is the height of like Christopher Lloyd yeah. playing villains. This is before he was Rasputin and Anastasia and all these but things. But this is right after he was Judge Doom this in, was, yes. in Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Which is a classic, which I don't think you need to revisit because I'm going to tell you right now. I still love it, and it does hold up. <laughs> All right, we'll have to remember yeah. when we do the Who Framed Roger Rabbit, we'll be like, now I'm going to say ahead of time, Rama Valuri still loves it. <laughs> yeah, I absolutely love it. It's one of my favorite movies to watch. <laughs> uh, let's see what else is in there. There's a toady. The toady character for Christopher Lloyd is a little little weird wet rat dog guy named Dijon who tries to steal things, and he fills up his harem pants with gold. 
Oh man! Oh, God, you're now I'm for this now amazing. I'm like wondering how how like uncomfortably racist this movie is now. Oh, get ready! Oh no! Because we're like we're we're already talking about like Disney, uh, like you know Aladdin. Whenever we do have to get around to watching Aladdin, like uh, there, I I've been told that like Aladdin is like really uncomfortably racist. Well, with Aladdin, the only person who truly looks like they're from. Agrabah, which is a fake country, but it's somewhere stationed in like the Middle Iran, East slash Iraq. North India. The only one who looks vaguely ethnic is Jafar, and they make him really frightening. <laughs> yeah. And then everybody else looks like they're just a darkened baseball player Tanned from the Midwest. white people, yeah. yeah. And Kirk Cameron was the voice of Aladdin, so that uh, tells you something. Yeah, I, I didn't remember that much about it, but... I do I like I did remember that it has something to do with a genie and a lamp and then it came like right around the time of Aladdin like mm-hmm. it it's it hipped me to this idea that there are like patterns in movies where like remember like Twister and Tornado came out the same year Dante's Peak and Volcano came out the same year and I feel like I think both this summer for both like Disney released like Aladdin and DuckTales in the same year I think Big thing about lamps in that period of time. Yeah. But with all the other movies that you mentioned, they were made by competing studios. This is one company competing against itself with the same base theme of a treasure lamp and a genie being released from it and wanting to be free. This one just wants to be a regular kid, a regular duck kid. Whereas Robin Williams, Uh, Jeannie just just wanted to be free. Regular duck kid. Okay, Aladdin was released two years after this. Okay, it's important. Uh, So So it's basically Disney saying, like, you like magic lamps? Boy, we we got a real one for you. Maybe our mistake the first time was filling it in a world of ducks. (laughs) (laughs) So Tell me more, Hiram Disney. I'm not willing to give up on the treasure lamp property itself. It's a boom time. It's a bonanza. Let's just put it in a vaguely Middle Eastern country, and then we'll make Robin Williams do it. Oh, he'll be he'll be Aladdin then. No, 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 absolutely not. No, oh, no, no, sorry, no. I'm terribly you. No, you, no, no, I'm, no, I'm, I'm an no, idiot. No. We'll I'm make sorry. him. We'll make him the genie. He can do whatever he wants. What we need is a guaranteed star who everyone will love forever, guaranteed never to lose his mind. I'm thinking Kirk Cameron. Um, let's see. It came out in 1990. This film, and so I was six years old. I only ever saw it in the theaters, and I. Uh, I remember nothing about it other than I was so excited to see something from the Disney afternoon in a longer yeah, setting. I think I think this I've only ever seen once and it was in the theaters and I was seven. And I, likewise, like I already love DuckTales and Darkwing Duck and Tailspin. So they could have made literally any of it's their true. properties into a movie and I would have been clamoring for it. It's true. So I will say I have seen this more than once. Okay. I have. It is his favorite film. Well, I wouldn't say it's my favorite film. That, that, but you that are might... wearing a DuckTales t-shirt. I am wearing a DuckTales t-shirt. I knew that this day was coming, and I was wandering around uh, Target, and this shirt was hanging there, and to the point of how popular DuckTales is, In this sizes. was the only one left. Oh. And it just happened to be... In my size, and you're not a you're not a short gentleman. You have a full man's body. That this is, is true. a man-sized shirt. This is not a Junior's was, XL or anything. There was like that. one man-sized shirt left, and I took it. <laughs> and it is currently, as we speak, fulfilling its destiny. Uh, great. So, uh, so you said you've seen it um, like more than once, and uh, do you think? Upon revisiting it now as adult Rama, do you think you'll still love it? Oh, I'm sure I'll 
I'll still love it. But I, I'm aware that there are some questions. This movie brings up a lot of questions. Well, great. So uh, perhaps you at home have some questions as well. So we invite you to press pause and watch for yourself Disney's DuckTales, the movie, Treasure of the Lost Lamp. Hit the trailer. A brand new animated adventure from Disney. I finally found it! DuckTales, the movie, Treasure of the Lost Lamp. It's a treasure trove of animation of the classic Disney tradition. Filled with your kids' favorite Disney characters in their first big screen motion picture. And best of all, it's a treasure you can give to your whole family to enjoy together again and again. DuckTales, the movie, Treasure of the Lost Lamp. Alright, and so that... That was Disney's DuckTales, Treasure of the Lost Lamp, the movie. And, uh, <laughs> holy shit, like, I loved this movie. This, I think, of all the movies we've watched so far for this show, I was just, like, smiling the whole way through this movie. Like, <laughs> and there's something just really <laughs> charmingly distracting about this whole thing. Charmingly <laughs> distracting. Like, I couldn't stop watching it. That was probably their pitch. Look, we're going to turn DuckTales into a movie. It'll be charmingly distracting. <laughs> but that doesn't mean it didn't bring up a lot of questions. Because there were a lot of questions. Yeah. Like I promised. Okay. <laughs> yeah, no, this is... I, I mostly am excited because this is the one, as I was telling them in there, this is the most excited I've been for a post-show run-through because I made so many notes. Okay, so the movie starts and Scrooge McDuck... Uh, who I'd like to point out we learned through this movie is our protagonist and is not a hero. Nothing he ever does is heroic. In fact... He is a petty monster capitalist. <laughs> yeah, I believe as Rama, as Rama was pointing out, by the end of the movie... His, the great lesson that he learns is his life doesn't have to change at all. He's still a quadzillionaire. And all he had to do was free a genie into turning into a real boy who won't be a quadzillionaire... But gets to just hang out with his family. Yeah. So the best thing you can be is a quadzillionaire, and then everything will be great. Yeah. I mean, I feel like that's what we're peddled in this society that we live in, so it's pretty spot on. Totally. So, like, the movie begins even right away with um, this, like, bizarre uh, a melodrama of British colonialism <laughs> as Scrooge McDuck has paid a bunch of... Uh, uh, indigenous peoples of some uh, unnamed Middle Eastern or North African or possibly Indian. Uh, well, in theory, it would be North African because there are yeah. a lot of things that are Hellenistic slash Egyptian architecture yeah. that they knock over on the way. Launchpad oh, being the terrible pilot that he is, yeah. knocks over just this entire absolutely ruins building. this monument, and they ruins just, the ruins. Yeah, he just well, he just turns it into ruins. Right. Yeah, and he even says they're called ruins for a reason. Yeah. yeah. He even says it could be worse. They could have been new. <laughs> right. So like he's the dumb American, and <laughs> even pointed out by when he gets off the plane and takes off his flight gear, he's wearing a Hawaiian shirt, shirt and board shorts. Right. Yeah. We were talking about like that's how they communicate that he's an idiot. Is he'll. He will wear a Bermuda sh Bermuda shorts and a Hawaiian shirt into a cave exploration or a temple exploration. Well, to be fair, he didn't know he was going on a temple exploration until his camel tripped over the very, very, very tippy top of what ended up being a 80-foot tall... Pyramid. 18-story pyramid that 
with one shovel, four children ducks, and two grown ducks, and a random weasel. Well, the seven I, I, of them dug it out in a day. In a day, less than a day, <laughs> without than food. A day. So in a couple hours, Water. I did do I did do a little bit of research because I thought that Dijon. Oh, Dijon. We have so much yeah, to talk yeah, about yeah. with him. I thought that he was a weasel initially, but it turns out he is a dog of Arab extraction, which means that predominantly <laughs> this world is dominated by dogs and ducks. And to right. a lesser ducks degree, and dogs and dogs and yeah. ducks and dogs. And to a lesser ducks. degree, some other waterfowl, a couple pigs, one who notably is a cop. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, it, one thing we noticed, uh, and we're like been an hour into watching the movie. When when I when I pointed out that like everybody in this movie is either a dog or a duck, and the only time that a non-dog non-duck shows up is one cop is a pig, and then at this explorers club there are several other waterfowl storks. Well, there were a couple egrets. pigs who were also explorers, but there were some storks, some egrets, uh, some other some other yeah. weird birds. There was one that clearly there was a dog who que- clearly was dressed up like Indiana Jones. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And and there's all this, uh, but at the same time, then there are all these like typically wild animals running around completely normal wild style. You know, there's birds oh, yeah. that are flying like birds. Mm-hmm. There are uh, like rats in cages. There is an elephant on a leash. I mean, and we can't forget that he, uh, the genie, reanimates an entire room of stuffed animals, and they just become the animal that they were made into. Tiger stuffed animal knows he's a tiger. Snake stuffed animal knows he's a snake. How that fucking work out? There's a gorilla who know. decides to go swinging from the chandelier. They, right. And they go completely primal, but this place is still dominated and by in a ducks. a super meta situation, a little wind-up duck goes around the house and steals <laughs> Scrooge's hat. Oh yeah, that yeah. was a little wind-up duck. Right, and <laughs> I met and, and well, and then Ike was wondering, like, we're we're saying, like, so uh, Rama said we noticed that the uh, the the McDucks they don't act like ducks at all. I mean, they act like like people who happen to be ducks. And same mm-hmm. thing with the dogs and like the Beagle Boys in the cartoon show. They don't act like dogs. They don't bark at anyone. Uh, but uh, these these other animals do act like animals and so we were wondering have the mcducks forgot that they're ducks and then the question is have the humans forgot that they're monkeys (laughs) yeah we're like do if they were watching a show about humanity would they be like those apes have forgotten that they're apes look at them not like hooting at each other climbing trees (laughs) look at them not cleaning each other (laughs) right yeah picking look at them not throwing their feces right could this possibly be some sort of dystopian reality where dr moreau did win and this is the effect of his island. Now, he only chose a select, like, five different animals to make people. And the smartest one became a quadzillionaire named Scrooge McDuck, because by the phones and the planes that they fly, he has to be in the 30s. Uh-huh. But then some of the toys are very modern. It's a very interesting timeline that they're operating on. Now, so here's something that, that got me thinking. You, you mentioned about how we think it's in the 1930s, but obviously it's not because there are newer toys. Then it's like, why does he have these old-timey things? But then my brain went to, wait, why do we associate old-timey uh, uh, devices like old-timey telephone or old-timey car with the rich? Like, why mm. do we... Because in my mind, like, that's a way to say somebody's rich if they have old-timey oh, devices. I mean... And I was thinking, it's because the rich always get technology first. Oh, yeah. 
So like the first time people think about the the original old telephone, no poor person had one of those. No, no, no. I no poor person had a Model T. And, and by the time a poor person was able to buy a phone, it was that standard, you know, block phone that the play school phone imitates. You right. know, that's by time uh, anybody could get a phone. Yeah. So I just, like I'd never made that connection until right then <laughs> that he that I associate old timey technology with the rich because. They could only afford it when it looked like that. Well, I mean, it, it used to be the technology was for the upper crust. Right. Technology, it's, it raises all boats. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's the great equalizer. <laughs> um... Okay, so we got to get into Dijon. So <laughs> the character added for this movie is Dijon, who's a dog, and he is described as being of Arabic descent in the character notes Rama looked up. And yet... He's, this seems like this is maybe supposed to be more Egypt. And yeah. is Egypt Egypt's not considered Arab, that's right? That's it's North African. North African. And there's there uh, Egypt is filled with a cultural melange. Lots of people have been in, lots of people have been out. But this guy oh, this guy. There's there's so many things to love about Dijon. <laughs> the animation for Dijon is better it's than any animation so in the rest of the movie. <laughs> So he's, delightful. He's like liquid in a world full of rocks. He mm-hmm. just weaves his way through everything, and he hides all this gold in his pants. They just <laughs> all the time, out. all the time, just, all the time. He can put an entire <laughs> chest in, his, in pants his pants to fall out later, with still having thousands and thousands of gold coins. I in think there. if I can really count how many times we saw Dijon with a with his pants, pants full, full of, of gold, it definitely broke the three times rule. Oh, it was a joke that was presented at least five times. At least five, right? (laughs) Mm -hmm. But they knew right away. It was something everyone would look forward to. It wasn't even a joke. It was more like a character trait. Yeah. Yeah. There are so many wonderful characters. I hope in, in in, in the character line for this in the script, it says pants. Constantly filled with concealed gold. Yeah. Draw his pants as flexible as possible because right. he will hide all the gold in the movie in it at some time. <laughs> Maybe five times. We'll see. But there are th- so many things about him that were great. Besides his, his movement and how cowardly and craven he was, how he wanted to steal everything, but he's still weirdly devoted to Murloc, the villain, until he finds out that he could actually... Yeah, it so seems great. like he was devoted to Murloc because he did not realize he could have his own power. But when the genie looks at him and he's like, I could be, you could be my master. You could be my master. He's like, what? <laughs> and then this, his whole life That's changes. how craven he was. Yeah. Yeah. He's he always, didn't even know. Yeah. He's, he's the ultimate person broken down by a capitalist yeah, society. He's looking for the biggest, most powerful person to latch on to, to... Find his fortunes. Yeah. And that he doesn't, it totally, it totally is over his head that he has a genie in his hand. He thinks he's supposed to hand that mm-hmm. to his, to his master. However, in his mind, grabbing a pants full of gold is like the best idea in the world. But then he's actually handed real wealth. Yeah. In the, he's in, that- in the, in the guise of like an opportunity and it doesn't even make sense to him. His dreams are that small. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's so sad. Well, that's why you love like, Dijon. He's yeah. so pathetic. Yeah. He I just kind of feel like that would be away. me in this type of situation. He doesn't want the yeah. opportunity. He wants to have the wealth in his hand, something that he can see and he can touch that no one can take away from him. Yeah, exactly. So now, and, okay, but my question is, I, like, okay, so uh, Dijon, who speaks with an accent of some sort. He does? <laughs> I didn't notice it at all. With an accent of some but sort. But he's not voiced by a person of any sort of Asian descent whatsoever. Now, 
he was supposed to, presumably he was Egyptian, like the sort of Egyptian pyramid mm-hmm. ruins. Although Kali Baba, wouldn't Ali Baba have been a... Yeah, Ali Baba is Persian. It's from the... the um, Thousand and One, the Arabian Nights. Yeah, Arabian Nights. So, but this is Kali Baba. This is Kali Baba. This is Kali Baba. But guys, Baba. did you notice he was a Kali? Yeah. It was Kali. He was a dog. He's one of the, <laughs> In this duck and dog world, he was a dog. I'd like to animate that right now. I'm just staring blankly with my jaw gasped at Marshall. I, I, just, I did not realize that at all. He I was, was mind blown. He was... He was you're led to think it's K A L I, but it's C O L L I E. He 100% was. What the fascinating thing was, if he, one of the fascinating things is his endless fascination in this. So in Duckburg, <laughs> Scrooge has a very pronounced Scottish accent. Of course. Everybody yeah. else sounds like run of the mill American. Murloc, the villain played by Christopher Lloyd, also, it sounds like Christopher Lloyd. But presumably he's been around for a thousand years, interacted with Kali Baba. That's probably how he lost the lamp. Kali Baba, being the expert thief he was, yoinked it and took it away. He yoinked it. But he's been everywhere, and he still sounds like he was born in the United States. I mean, but maybe, let's think about it. Maybe three, four thousand years ago when he was existing... That was the accent of the day, and then slowly it morphed. Oh. And then slowly it morphed back, so he just yeah. came back at the right time. Well, and here's you the know? other thing. He hasn't been gone. He's the first, been Because the first wish, the first wish that... And he has that, time uh, to kill. Yeah, Genie said his very first wish was to live forever. So, maybe back in the day, he had this phony baloney accent, yeah. <laughs> you know? And, and over time... Uh, he then just like moved to the United States and he lost his accent and just but started he, sounding like he, he was, was from a, Boston or wherever. He was a very different kind Definitely of dog, though. Like he was from so he was a huge dog. He had a huge. He was. Huge yeah, he was dog like a Malamute of some with sort. a huge beard and a huge mustache, and the beard and mustache stay with him no matter what form he takes. Which was, was eagle, really, vulture, really funny when he was Griffin. a cockroach. Oh, okay, okay. This cockroach. I feel like Rama and I had a collective memory. Or we both simultaneously thought of the exact same joke that would have been perfect in this scene. And I don't know whether or not it was memory mm-hmm. or like mutual mind meld. But there's a moment when there's a moment when Murloc has used his so Murloc, who's the villain, he has an amulet that allows him to turn into any animal. So he turns into a cockroach <laughs> for some reason to sneak into because he can sneak around to the, sneak the into money. Yeah, the, it mini, allows the him money to bin. be very tiny and fly yeah. and get through things. And, and at one point, he decides to take the elevator instead of just he's already cockroach size. He probably could squeeze through. But anyway, he flies in the elevator and then spins, proceeds to bash himself into the up button head like, first, head first, like four times. But he's just not strong enough. And he's just not strong enough. And then Rama and I at the same time either through memory or mutual spark of innovation, both said, and now he should uh, suddenly m- mug the camera like, oh, yeah, duh, and then turn back into his normal self and press the button. Or anything even remotely bigger than a cockroach that could push the button. But like, he didn't. why didn't he? It would have been a great fourth wall break if he had just looked at the camera like, I'm a idiot. He just, <laughs> turned he into just a kept bashing his head It's very, very important that he kept bashing his head into the wall because had he done the other thing, it would not have driven the plot forward. Mm. It's true. I it's mean, right. you sometimes must make a sacrifice. It's true. You must. True. Um, okay, but so, <laughs> so getting back to Dijon, I also love the fact that his name is Dijon. A and, French and, very important fact. And his Robin. brother's name is Poupon. Now his... <laughs> 
Is Bubon brought up in this movie at all? Not no. in this movie at all. But so Dijon but, leaves this movie and, and, and goes Marshall, to the series. Marshall, oh, it's fantastic. Poupon, not Poupon. Yeah, Poupon. Poupon. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. You just as said a little child, yeah. as a little child, I heard that there was a thing called Poupon. <laughs> you say it so badly. <laughs> I just always called it Poupon. I just am realizing this now. I've never pronounced it. <laughs> I learned it was I learned it was Poupon, like poo-poo platter. Yeah. I don't call it a poo-poo platter or whatever. I call it a poo-poo platter. <laughs> okay, so uh, I'm, I love the I love the knowledge that Dijon goes to the series because I loved him and he he. Almost every single line in his movie, I almost want to insert a montage of some of his best lines. Mm -hmm. Because some of his best lines, this, I'm now feeling, was the first movie my brother, my friend Mike, and I loved so much that this became our jokes. Repeating lines from this movie to each other, and almost all the lines were Dijon's lines. And you're just remembering this now? Yeah, because... Uh, as inappropriate as I realize it is now, when you are like seven years old, doing the Indian, like the Indian Arab mock voice is so much fun to do that like little little kids do it and we find it the funniest thing ever. And I look back on it now and I'm like, God, I was a really shitty Midwestern well, white kid. Let me, let me ask this. You two are, are both white. Uh-huh. Yes. I don't know if the people listening know that, but I am brown. They are white. Uh-huh. So when I was watching this, I wondered, are you as offended by Scrooge having a Scottish accent as I'm supposed to be about this guy having a pseudo-Indian Arabic accent? Because this is a white guy named Richard Libertini, I think. Uh-huh. And he's the one who's doing the Dijon thing. And uh-huh. everything is big and mysterious and filling his pockets with things. On the flip side, Alan Young... He's going around talking like Scrooge. Uh-huh. So at what point do you go, is it offensive if a white guy's impersonating another white guy, even though Alan Young isn't an old Scottish man, he's doing an old Scottish voice, and then this Italian guy is doing this voice, which right when I heard it, I was like, oh, God, here we are again. Yeah, but then yeah. I get lost in how fun Dijon is. Right. Um, wow. Okay, so here's my thought. No... I don't think anybody ever doing any sort of white person accent has ever really offended me, except for Dave Chappelle would sometimes do the, oh, I'm so overwhelmed. Like, he would do this as his, like, nebbish white guy voice. But that didn't really offend you. It didn't really offend me. It was sad. It was more like, like, oh, he's kind of on point. Yeah, Yeah, when Eddie Murphy did white like me and every white man sounded like this. Yeah, yeah. Which became the voice that Dave Chappelle used. Right. So it made me think... You know, that that more was like, it was painful because it's like, oh, that's kind of true. But I was definitely, I was definitely uncomfortable by how much I enjoyed the mm-hmm. Dijon voice. Because he's so funny because of the sing-songy way he talks. And but, I'm like, I'm, am I not allowed to think this well, is funny? Well, but the thing about Dijon that's funny, it's not the voice that's necessarily funny. It's everything about yeah, Dijon yeah, yeah. is funny. Where the joke isn't, it, this is his voice. It. It reminded me, as an improvement on Fisher Stevens, 
in Short Circuit. Yeah. Because uh-huh. Fisher Stevens' character is just, it's the, it's the worst. It's, yeah. it's god Yeah, we're, so I don't remember Fisher Stevens' yeah. Stevens character because I loved that movie. Mm-hmm. That That is one of those movies that I loved as a kid and I am terrified to revisit oh. for this specific I reason. Think, I think we actually were talking about that. We will have to have you back on for the <laughs> yeah, Short, Short Circuit episode. Circuit? Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, because, yeah. Well, I mean, will we be putting you with that... Oh, Maybe like, we'll change the we'll change the episode to should I still love it? <laughs> <laughs> It'll oh. be our first episode can, of should I still can love I still love it? it? Yeah. Am, I Am I allowed to still yeah. love it? Oh, I'm re- I'm a hundred percent ready to revisit okay, well, that t- one. Tune in in a few episodes. We'll have Rama back <laughs> to do great. Short Circuit. But go on. So well, so, so you so, found this. Less less upsetting it, than Fisher Stevens. The the anybody doing the voice, if the voice itself is the if the accent itself is the joke, then that the implication is that the background is the joke. It's uh-huh. like it's like anybody doing right. that that right. goofy. If I'm an Italian guy, I always talk like this. I have met to meet a single Italian person who actually sounds like right. That. But it is this caricature voice that even Italian friends of mine do. Well, watching this, I'm like, okay. This was a poor choice. It was a poor choice because the only people who talk with an accent in this entire movie are Scrooge, who long is established as Scrooge McDuck, Scottish explorer, quadzillionaire, <laughs> and then the dogs of Arab extraction in there, Dijon, and the the worst part, Dijon had character development and things like that. The guys that he hires, that yeah. Scrooge hires to do the dig yeah, yeah. for Kalibaba's things, when they run around, I didn't know, didn't know if you guys noticed, they were always like, they run around going, Mr. McDougall, take a phone yeah. thing. Uh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. What very, yeah. very much bothered me was the absolute first view right after they crash into that monument and turn into mm-hmm. a ruin. They, like, all of the little, uh, all of the men that uh, Scrooge hired, they they just run over it like, like lap dogs. Like, oh, hey, hey, we found something for you. Right. We found something he for you. just destroyed this temple yeah. that presumably would have meaning to them, at least cult, yeah. ho- like a cultural heritage mm-hmm. sort of thing. And yeah. they're just like, fuck that shit. We found oh, something. Hey, white man, you paid us to find something. We're going to yeah, give it to you. That's what we found. It's like if someone goes and, and knocks over the Washington Monument and you're just watching it, you're like, oh. Hey, but I found this thing down here. Right, yeah. right. And it, I now that I think about it, this is maybe like the first time that I've given thought to the fact that they this this happened these sort of like during colonialism times like oh, yeah. the like you know british would be oh, like yeah, no, the oh first we'll hire some movie. local egyptians we'll hire yeah. some local indians to help us excavate this ruin and, take and then we'll things. take the things out of them and take them to a museum like what <laughs> no i was i was extremely this movie does a better job of making me think about colonial desecration of native <laughs> lands than any history lesson i've ever had in school well yeah i know and it was it was pretty amusing because he's like oh hey you know i will uh um i'm gonna give a lot of this to a museum when they find the stuff and they're like you don't do that uncle scrooge and he's like well i get a great tax break yeah. yeah, it finds the capitalist motive in even yeah. benevolent things like yeah. museums. No, Marshall made the great thing that the first ten minutes of this movie is colonialism. The movie. Yeah. <laughs> they fly through. They destroy everything. They plunder. They plunder. They use. Presumably, they use the natives to plunder find their own lands. The, yeah, yeah. And plunder their own lands with the specific understanding that it's going straight to the white man. Now, white presumably, duck, white duck. He did pay. Everybody there, because he made a joke about uh, 
no wonder this weasel was so cheap. Which made me wonder if Dijon was a weasel, and then I looked it up and he was no, a dog. Like, isn't that weird? They, so, they, even, weasel, they use yeah. other animals weasel. as insults. But they, insult. they, they, they call weasels as an insult, swine as an insult. Oh, uh, the nanny hates rats and uh, hates elephants. Elephant. So what other animals does she hate? Does she only hate things that are an inconvenience in her house, like these two like specific is she cases? Crazy, or is she prejudiced? Is she no. like a yeah, crazy right. racist? So, like, for Animalist? Example, well, let's think about this for a second. If she were a human being and she said, I hate rats, well, humans are animals just like rats. So mm-hmm. I, I don't think we can judge her on saying hate rats. Now, would we be able to judge her if she said, Oof, I hate dogs? Because dogs Because there are anthropomorphic they're dogs a big part in the yeah. world. Or could she say, like, oh, I hate storks? Like, would that yeah. be considered to be like, oh, I hate Latinos? You know, yeah. is that what that would be like in this yes, world of just ducks and dogs and well, storks? Well, there's that question, too. When when Scrooge's secretary brings him his lunch, there's clearly some kind of deli meat in that sandwich. What is that deli meat made out of if every person it living there is some kind of animal? And there is a, there are classes of... Here are these anthropomorphized, talking, walking, capitalist well, animals. We didn't see cow people. Uh, we did not see cow people. people. Um, I will point out that uh, the genie pops out, and one of the first questions he asks is, where do you hang the chickens? Yeah. So, yeah. And he's a duck, and everyone else is a duck. So, so is do it ducks a, eat chickens? Do they eat chickens, or is this some sort of weird torture thing of... He doesn't like chickens, <laughs> so they pull off their feathers and then they hang them by their ankles. Oh, man. It's, that's dark. That's yeah, super right? Dark. That's dark. I also want to point out one of my um, one of my favorite uh, jokes in this movie um, surrounding that, uh, that sandwich. He has to leave, and he's all a flutter and in a hurry, and he's in a bad mood. He's got to go deal with something. She's holding the sandwich, and she's like, well, what do I do with your sandwich? And he's like, sell it. <laughs> Because someone would want that. All Scrooge thinks about is money. And I, I feel like you'll correct me if I'm wrong, Rama, you did some like research into this, but that those sorts of jokes that are almost kind of cutely one dimensional felt very much like this is this is true this part is very true to the comic book. Like I think yeah, I remember Because I I was reading about it and there was this entire line of Uncle Scrooge comics, where they just go and explore the world and find these way back in the day, way before back. the Ducktales. This movie was based on one or two of the issues, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though they said it deviated from from that a lot, I, I don't want to get into that argument <laughs> with people who've actually read these. Uh-huh. But there were these very almost Marx Brothers moments of oh, Murlocs under his hat and running around, and he's saying oh. What kind of hat has a mind of its own? <laughs> like clearly, really funny slapstick stuff. But it it felt like the comics in in so many ways. At that point, it just kept pro- kept progressing like a panel, like a series of panels. It's really interesting because um, in the little bit of reading I did before uh, before this, a lot of people came out and said after this movie came out that it was kind of a desecration of the comics. I didn't know they were that beloved. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, no, I think I think everybody loves something. Uh, I'm yes. a bit of a, I'm a bit of a comic book nerd myself, and I know that that of the Disney comics, like the Uncle Scrooge ones, are far and away like the most popular ones because I think I had some because this sort of 
I think taking kind of a, a cue from like Tarzan or um, a Solomon, Solomon King mm-hmm. and these sorts of adventure stories that Indiana Jones is aping. Yeah. Like the comparison here to Indiana Jones is is apt because like the Uncle Scrooge did a lot of aping those Tarzan style adventures and that sure. sort of thing. So yeah, so Ducktales is not not that far off from like kind of the feel of the Uncle Scrooge books of back of the day. I mean, and we here we are, we love Ducktales. So it's mm-hmm. not that hard to imagine that people who grew up on the Scrooge comic books would love Scrooge because he's like. So he's again he's our protagonist but not a hero. Like he's oh, no. he has he has an adventuresome, brave, stubborn spirit and all the money to finance all of his stupid ideas. Right. So just he's a guy who's a kind of an idiot, but like he, money can buy him out of his problems. <laughs> he's well even in one of his great moments of redemption when he and Murloc are falling from outside the planet's atmosphere back to earth mm-hmm. and he catches the lamp what does he wish for? I want me, my family, and the money bank <laughs> back in Duckburg. Yeah. The thing that he remembers, he, like, he goes noble. He's like, I want myself and my family to be safe, but I also want the money bin back in Duckburg. It's always, it's yeah. never that far he, from his Even mind. then he didn't forget it, which I thought was a nice, like, that fe- that feels mm-hmm. like Scrooge. Like, yeah. well, a- and my money. Like, hang <laughs> let's on. Not, let's I go. was in prison for about an hour and didn't have anything except for that one plane that Launchpad still had, which still had the Scrooge logo and not Dijon's logo on it. So <laughs> he almost he did lost not everything. wish for the plane. True. He just wanted all of Scrooge's wealth. Um, one last thing I, I wanted to talk about. Towards the end, uh, the, the kids and Scrooge uh, come up with a way to bar- break into the money bin. And during it, Webby, the only you know little girl character in this, like she is fully a part of the of the four four duck team that helps mm-hmm. break in and there's a part where she just without without reservations climbs into this scary air duct filled with spiders and while she's like nervous she doesn't like run like she goes mm-hmm. ahead and does it she she goes in and yeah. so yeah. i remember thinking through the entire thing she's depicted as like almost cartoonishly girly and yet um not in any weak ways like she doesn't have like bad at sports or or afraid of things she just likes traditionally girly things like dolls and tea parties Mm -hmm. but those aren't negative things the way like a negative stereotype about a little girl being weak or puny or Mm -hmm. a chicken and so i thought well that's kind of cool that she can be a traditional girly girl character while not having right well also questionable yeah without was also being able to crawl into a duct full of spiders and just be like oh Guys. Yeah, I'm on this yeah, adventure yeah, yeah. too. And so, the only thing yeah. the the boys complained about was not wanting to play a tea party. Yeah, right. and I will it. I will point out the one weird experience, which was no oh, one wanted my. to play her tea party, and she walked out, and she got all like goo goo eyed at the genie. Oh right. And she was like, "You want to play my tea party?" It was <laughs> kind of uncomfortably flirty that it moment. It was really <laughs> out of she place. She batted those eyelashes, and we all froze. We wait. Is this what I think it is? And then she grabs his wrist. This is what I think it is. Is I it mean, more of a makeout party? I have a suspicion that she was added because girls were watching the show. Mm-hmm. Probably. I mean, I very much have a suspicion that she was added because it felt like a boys' club. And yeah. there was one female character, and that character was an old lady. Right. And so I, I can guarantee that she was added because people were like, give us female characters. Right. And, and, and to that point, let's not forget 
that Webby is Mrs. Beakley's granddaughter. And not related to the boys. She's just their friend who happens to be the nanny's granddaughter, and they're as close as close can be. So where so so she calls him Uncle Scrooge just because everyone calls him Uncle Scrooge. Oh right. yeah, because Launchpad McQuack calls him Uncle Scrooge. Yeah, is that maybe even his? Well, no, he his calls name, him Mr. McD. <laughs> is oh, that Mr. McD. That's first right. Name. Yeah. No, his first name is Scrooge because yeah. his last Scrooge name McDuck. is McDuck. McDuck yeah. Which means Huey, Dewey, and Louie would be a McDuck too, yeah. right? So does that mean? But Donald is Donald Duck, not Donald McDuck. Donald is their relative. He might have had that Ellis Island problem if they took yeah. off the Mick from the front of his name. Did Donald they isn't did. their father. No, I think he's... They call him Uncle Donald on the show. Wait, so there's... Okay, so this is a world where there are at least three duck brothers. Yes. Uh, and so one of them is the father of Huey, Dewey, and Louie. His brothers are Scrooge and Donald. Yes. Or in some permutation of maybe Donald is their uncle on their mom's side, and <laughs> Scrooge is the... Because so, Donald doesn't have a big Scottish accent, he just has a, a speech impediment. So now this is the thing that I always wondered. I always thought that the idea is that Daisy Duck and Donald Duck have three kids, and it's Huey, Dewey, and Louie. I feel I like wrong? before we end this podcast, we need to find that out. Life is like a hurricane in Duckbird. Race cars, lasers, aeroplanes. Okay, so we did some quick uh, Do I Still Love It research, and we found out that... So Huey, Dewey, and Louie, their uncle is Donald, and Donald's uncle slash Huey, Dewey, and Louie's granduncle is Uncle Scrooge. So Uncle Scrooge's sibling is the parent of Donald, and one of his siblings is the parent of Huey, Dewey, and Louie. It's a stair step. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, we don't know where any of these parents are. Right. Presumably they're dead because these guys live with Scrooge. Right. It's very true. <sighs> and Webby. Webby doesn't have a parent either. Yeah, she's got a grandmother. It's rough. But the important thing is that they have each other. Exactly. Yes. And that is what Scrooge realizes by the end, that having everyone in his family together, along with his money bin, is all that he wants in life. <laughs> right. <laughs> Okay, so this brings us to the uh, signature part, which I already spoiled my answer as to uh, whether I still loved it. And I I found this movie, like, really fun. Oh, I I 100% love it. Even with the very questionable voice of Dijon. (laughs) I just love Dijon. He's great. Yeah. Well, oh, we'll get to Laura in one second. Or here, Laura, tell us real quick. No, 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 go ahead. Skip right over me. No, not skipping over. I was coming back to you. Okay. So I feel like we somewhat got off something that I really wanted oh, right. to get your your viewpoint on because you had asked whether or not we um, were upset by the Scottish accent and I wasn't um, and but it made me wonder like yeah so what uh, because you're of Indian descent mm-hmm. um, and so he it could be said that he was speaking with some sort of weird false Indian mixed Arab accent but like this cartoonish one so how does that make you feel slash how do you think you should feel about that well, i thought it was lazy that that's always my my thing with it is there a reason that you're using this voice and is the is the reason worthy of using it is or is the joke that the voice sounds funny which then is labeling anybody who has any variance on that voice comical to you from mm-hmm. a dominant position in this case i was watching it just going 
it's just a lazy voice choice, but it was also lazy on the parts of the people at Disney where the only people who weren't from the presumably, uh, presumably American town of Duckburg and Scrooge, who's long been established as Scottish, all have very particular voices, very American voices apart from his butler, said that trope of the English butler again, mm-hmm. and Mrs. Beakley also has that sort of sort of voice, but it was, they all just sounded dumb. Uh-huh. And that was the thing. Was they like, were all character voices. These are very character voices. No, they're all pretty canned character voices. Yeah. 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 Like, there was no thought or imagination that went into the creation of the voice. It was like, oh, we have a brown-skinned dog who's... A petty thief. A petty thief. <laughs> yeah, let's not forget. So, naturally, Dijon is going to talk like this. But I, at the same time, we just go, well, I guess... That's what it is. They decided... We're going to make this character. This actor just decided, I'm going to do this voice. Probably just out of sheer ignorance, not even thinking about it. That's the voice that they chose to use. It's the voice yeah, they chose to I mean, use. And then after the fact, because the way things have been going, we haven't been given a voice where we could actually use our own voices or say what is on our mind until very recently. So this movie being over 25 years old, people look back at it and go, okay, is this the last, is this one of the last dying whimpers of this cultural brown face voice mm-hmm. that they're doing? And maybe, is it as egregious as the Fisher Stevens one? I don't think so. Yeah, but... yeah, and I find it really interesting how if we go back to 1989 when this is in production, we're doing the voice casting and this mm-hmm. white Italian walks in and they're like, oh, hey, so this is like a, they explain the character. He's not even going to think twice that he's being racist. Yeah, well, I, I you know, read he's not a thing. even going to think twice that he's being lazy, and because there's like the education around that, mm-hmm. it just didn't exist in the way that it does now. Because yeah. I did read this article that that someone did an interview with Fisher Stevens about the character he played in mm-hmm. Short Circuit. They said, if you were given that today, would you play that part? And he says, absolutely not. Even then. It was a weird and uncomfortable thing for me, but I was 25, and I desperately needed the job. Right. I mean, and it's the he lead re- role in a, yeah. in a film. Uh, well, uh, second lead, or third well, lead. He's behind uh, Steve Gutenberg and the Oh, that's lady. true. That's but, true. Uh, don't forget. Yeah. Don't, don't forget. Don't steal Steve Gutenberg. Not even Thunder Steve Man. Gutenberg, but you know the robot. Yeah. Uh, Johnny Five. Johnny Five. Johnny, Johnny Five is one of the leads. But that's, that's the thing, like, the benefits of hindsight. Fisher Stevens regrets it. Yeah. yeah. Did this guy? I don't know. We yeah. can't ask him. He well, passed away. But it's it was a normal thing for people yeah. then of, oh, we're going to do this voice and this is what people sound like to us. Mm-hmm. And it what didn't ring a bell that, you know, this is probably bad. This is kind of an Amos and Andy routine. Yeah. I mean, like even even 12 years ago when I was when I was in acting training and I'm, I'm a character actor and I used to I used to tour doing a lot of like multi-character stage work. It, it, pulling out a, a voice like this wouldn't have been even blinked at even mm-hmm. 12 years ago. Right. And, I mean, if I probably had been in more urban areas, it would have. But um, maybe. I don't know. I was 20. But it, it's, it's like, exciting in a way to... And it, it's something I really love about the Internet age in general is all these voices are finally being given a... All these people are finally being given a voice to be like, you guys have been fucking dicks. Yeah. <laughs> and forever. Yeah. And, you know, it's 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 hard with a situation like this because it's like, yeah, I guess maybe kind of look at this as a cultural touchstone piece of a, of a, a dying ignorance. Yeah. Because I, I look back, I grew up on this movie. I yeah, love yeah, this yeah. Movie. I'm wearing a DuckTales t-shirt. 
I look at that, and then I look at things on, on The Simpsons. Mm, I like yeah. the character of Apu. I hate the voice Hank Azaria does, and uh-huh. it's hard for me to... to is he still on things. the show? Yeah, the he's 100% still yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. 100% now, is still Hank Azaria. Has there been the, like a growing yeah, no, public there, outcry about, like, Apu should probably be cut from the show? Yeah. Oh, interesting. There are comedians yeah. like Hari Kondabalu who talk about it routinely. Aziz had his episode of Indians on yeah. TV. And Which is one of the done. best... That address that people bring it up a lot. Like when I was growing up, you look at it and it's like, well, there's an Indian guy on TV, so that's kind of cool. And I've met store owners like him, but I don't like it. Oh yeah. But I don't know if I should say I don't like it. Now I can say I don't really like it. Mm-hmm. Um, at the same time, when I go back and see Peter Sellers in the party, he reminds me of my uncle, like one very specific uncle. I mm-hmm. go. Okay, well, you actually strive for a more accurate voice. Yeah. But he's an impressionist, and he would do that. But he's still still in brown phase. I still love the party. Yeah. Even mm-hmm. though I, I know a lot of people wouldn't want me to. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's, um, that is an interesting thing about, I, like, ha, like, does the level of disregard for the person that's being imitated, like, or rather, does this, the seeming level of regard for the person or culture being imitated... Does that lessen the sting? I mean, not obviously mm-hmm. now in a modern time where I feel like we are obviously trying, like, ideally we should, should be pushing towards diverse casting and casting people. If we need someone to play a specific culture, casting a person of that culture. But what I mean is in this, as, as a, as as a fan of media mm-hmm. and film, when you look back on, um, on cultures being played by white people of a culture that isn't white... Like, does the regard that the actor chooses to give to the source culture, does that lessen it in any way? Well, the question is, when they're playing those parts, do they first go in saying, I'm playing a person? Mm-hmm. And that's a question I don't know. As opposed to, asked. I'm playing an Indian. It's like, I am playing an Indian thief. I'm not playing a person. So right. I'm not thinking of right. all of the, what are the reasons this person became a thief and all of this stuff. How does the way I talk, the way I walk, the way I project myself, how does that impact it? Mm-hmm. Like the question of, for example, um, if you look at Lawrence of Arabia, mm-hmm. you have all kinds of English people playing <laughs> right, parts yes. that Omar Sharif, who ended up being in Dr. Zhivago, could have played. Right. Um, and we still have that happening today. Would you show this movie to your children? And why? Or why not? If you ever have... If you ever procreate. I would. Because I like it so much. Mm-hmm. But I would be prepared to answer a lot of questions. Ah, you and I have a, you have a similar issue that I have with The Little Mermaid. Mm. It's one of my favorite films. Yet, it's very difficult as a woman to be like, oh, this... It's like... Oh, we can't just let you watch this. We have to sit down and like talk about it. Uh-huh. <laughs> Look, the music in this is great, and there's some amazing animation. But However, there are subconscious or conscious things you're going to get from this movie that I need you not to attach to. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think I would still show it to my kids. Um, I I hope I would hope that by that point the messaging is such that. Uh, these these racist characters um, 
are are like so far removed from what my kid understands people from mm-hmm. like from a from the southern part of asia to to be like that they just think oh that's what those dog people act like like the mm-hmm. the animated dog people not an actual race of human beings like that mm-hmm. would be my hope but um mm-hmm. i love the adventure quality of it like it does feel kind of like Indiana Jones and I love the Indiana Jones movies oh yeah like I don't know if we'll ever even have to do those on this podcast because I still watch the Indiana Jones you might might have to watch the Temple of Doom again that'll bring up so many oh Oh, man I that I mean I will say I was a huge Indiana Jones fan and the Temple of Doom really is the one that kind of sits like sideways in my head of like I don't know about that one. Yeah, hang on a second. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But we we all like we all like Raiders and Last Crusade. Oh, yeah, 100%. I mean, Last Crusade is one of the best films ever made. Um, I yeah. So I feel like this out of everything we've watched on this podcast, this is the most kiddish thing we've watched yet. Like for the youngest kid, youngest. No, no, no. no this is the no. Like this is the first thing where I'm like, oh, this was made for kids. Okay, so it's not mm-hmm. made for families. Mm-hmm. This was made for kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and it very much didn't really feel like a film to me or a movie or anything that was ever going to be in a theater because it has it has commercial breaks built in <laughs> that they just feels go like over. And mm-hmm. I saw this in the movie theater, so I find that hilarious. This could mm-hmm. definitely have just been a two-part season yeah. finale for yeah. the DuckTales show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But as far as, 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 far as it, anything that I've revisited, I would say this is the this is the first thing where I've been like, oh, oh, this is a movie where the parents are supposed to like, like, zone out while the kids watch it. Mm-hmm. And um, it was interesting because we've covered so many things in here where it's like, oh, that was way too far. Oh, that was like, you know, that that was grotesque. Or how did they get away with this or anything like that? And um, this was actually a movie where I'm like, oh, this is a thing where. You sit your kid down, and then you go and you like write your to-do list while they're like distracted. Um, well, did I not say that it was a distraction? Yeah, <laughs> it was yeah. a distraction. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> comes full circle. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, yes, I did. I did love it. It was really, really fun. Um, it was as I as I just just said um it it felt to me very much as a movie for kids and so I don't know it didn't really speak to me in any deep way mm-hmm. um but no yeah it was a really fun film great well I'm glad everyone seemed to really enjoy this pleasant distraction uh, <laughs> I really want to thank uh, our guest Rama Valuri Rama where can we uh, where can the folks at home find out more about your your stuff you can go to our website, that's www.google.com, and search for George and Valerie. <laughs> and your name is spelled V-A-L-L. V-A-L-L-U-R-Y. Um, you can find all of our social accounts, Facebook, Twitter, Instagrams, all that wonderful Great. stuff. We do live shows all the time. And it's at their website. On. It's at Google. our website, google.com. Yeah. Uh, great, yeah, you guys should definitely go check out some George and Valerie shit. It's really funny making with the funny. Oh, and stay tuned because Sean George and Michael Chow are about to unleash another insane work in the vein of their award-winning film, Dick Ripper, of which I'm in, (laughs) called The Night Janitor. Yeah. And I promise you'll want to watch that and listen to their show, Schlock Tank, also a podcast. Yeah, 
definitely check that out. I'm I'm supposed to appear on Schlock Tank here soon, so oh, I can't wait to find out what uh, you pitch. Um, but uh, yeah, that's a fun uh, fun podcast where people pitch terrible movie ideas and they plan on making one of them. We've already done one. Yeah. So uh, great. Well, thank you so much for being on the show, uh, Rama. Uh, this is uh, Marshall James saying bye. And Laura, we saying. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Holy quackers. This